All right, what is up, everybody? <laughs> Hopefully, you are doing great wherever you're watching and listening from. Welcome to Epi number two of what we're calling the After Show. This little project we're doing where we're following up our Sunday teachings and Faith for Exiles with some chat and some dialogue. What is up, everybody? How you doing around the horn? We have Kendra. We have Kevin, Kathy, Surgeon Nicole. You guys doing okay? Good to see you. I, I think I think this is brought to you by Poster Poster and Blue Apron, right, Kev? The Blue Apron is the classic. We're giving Blue... We are giving Blue Apron props, and they're not paying us anything. So, Kev, you can work that one out, because I heard you can maybe like make some money. We can are go even, for a coffee. Are they even Canadian? I think that's only in the U.S. I, I think, think Blue oh, is only the, US, the big so. one... The big one is ZipRecruiter, too, for the podcast I that, listen yeah. to. No, you're true. ZipRecruiter. Yeah, Ro- Rocket Mortgage. Right. Rocket Mortgage. Anybody yeah, else? Can mortgage. we give props to anybody else for free? <laughs> Mailchimp. Do you do Mailchimp? Mailchimp? Okay. Yeah. Mailchimp. Yeah. 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 WordPress. It's good. It's all good. Um, second, <laughs> week of, second week of summer, everybody's hanging in. You doing okay? Yeah, it's been hot, though. Holy smokes. Yeah. Now, Holy. are you AC-less? No, we're AC. No. Yeah, everybody everybody around the horn. AC-ish? AC ish? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Kendra, AC? AC. AC, nice. So we're all AC, right. but really warm, like a cold state with the Reynolds. So, uh, oh, man. Really, uh, humid, so, yeah, feeling it. I saw you had the towel there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like uh, that's like. Uh, <laughs> Who you know? I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the preacher guys that use the towel. It's like uh, it's all good. Um, So funny, good times. Well, I thought last week was great and had some good feedback. And uh, thanks for kind of dialoguing along the way. I was saying um, this one. I feel like it's going to be kind of spike. Oh, we can't start yet. Actually, we got to do this. Our our opening segment always has to be our sponsors. All those sponsors that we just listed and the plant in the back. How's the plant doing in the back there, Kendra? We can't jump in without talking about the plant. So glad you asked mm. about my plant, Drew, because I did some research okay. today and I found out what it is. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Nice. Like based <laughs> on a Google image, like I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think it's called Drum roll. A green. Hold on. No, right? no. After the break we'll reveal that. No, I'm just joking. There's no there's no setup. This is that would be true radio right there is to yeah, say no, after the be, break yeah. we're going to let you yeah. know just so we can But there's no breaks here. There's no advertising. Go. Do what you need to do. Tell us what it is. It is a it is a green philodendron. 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 Okay. They come in different colors, in case you were wondering. Wow. You may have been wondering that. Wow. And the answer is yes, they come in lemon lime. Okay. Oh. And green. Interesting. So I got the green. I didn't know I had a brighter green to choose from. You didn't guess. know the options. <laughs> no, but uh, this little guy is so Phil. You might call him. Oh, okay. Phil, I like he it. Has a name. Appropriate. Okay. Right, like philodendron with the PA. Yo, yes. I like it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I came up with that right now, I you feel- guys. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I feel like we should do, and but we would ruin your bookshelf, is you know how like parents on the inside of the door, every time they like grow a centimeter, their kids grow, we could just like put a little black line yeah. with the sharpie. Who are but... we kidding? I got this on Kijiji. I don't care about okay. it. I should <laughs> no, start doing you, that. Don't do that, Doug. <laughs> don't ruin your shelf. It's all good. Next well, time. I'm going to find a way to do it. <laughs> the philodendron. Philodendron. Correct? Dendron. Dendron. dendron right? Philodendron. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this isn't yeah, a spelling bee, unfortunately. Like, I don't know how to Green pronounce fill. things. Green because, fill. like, as a homes, I blame this on homeschooling because, like, I would read everything and not hear how they pronounce things. So, okay. like, really straight. <laughs> I just, like... Bringing it up. Yeah. I'll try and say it and people will be like, what oh, no. Um I would call it a philodendron. Okay. 
Philo. So would but I. who am I? Who am I to say that? I don't know. <laughs> I think the Greeks would agree. It yeah, sounds kind of like, like I think the Greeks would agree. Right? It sounds true. right. I think I will go with Phil. I love the name. It's good. <laughs> it's in the back. We'll watch its growth. It's just, uh, yeah, we'll just watch. Phil's it. loving the heat, watch. loving the sun. Yeah, but it's I mean, we are recording later th- th- today, so it's the sun is going down. So, will we le- lose yeah, Phil sure. in the background? Or are we okay? Um, no, it's we've got a lamp here, so d- don't Beauty. you worry. He'll be here the whole time. Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I was really worried. <laughs> Okay, I was saying, I was saying before, you know, all the cool kids that are podcasting. I was saying uh, off air. I love that, just off air, talking about how this this episode uh, today could probably be the most spicy one we do of the eight or nine weeks. However, we do this, um, and that's a good thing. I think um, the potential to talk about a church in Canada and all the things that we're seeing and experiencing. Um, there's tons going through my brain. And I was saying to you guys earlier, you know, I did uh, some academic work at McMaster University at uh, their Divinity College. They're great. Shout out to McMaster Divinity College, a great place, and spent a lot of time just wrestling in a master's degree over the church in Canada and exile and just wrestling through where we're at. It's so funny. Kevin and I talk a lot, um, you know, throughout the weeks. And we always say that, Kevin and I always say, we want to start, there's two particular Instagram groups we want to start. One, well, I don't know if we've talked about this, Kev, but this is one that I want to start. <laughs> An Instagram solely dedicated to who shot this photo, who took this photo. Are you with me? Yeah. no. I'm okay, okay, so now here's yeah. what you need to do if you're listening, and obviously you guys too. Anytime you see a photo on Instagram, you need to ask that question and your life will be completely fulfilled. And I just want to, I want to start an Instagram just filled with pictures of, of the caption under it. Who the heck took this photo? Did <laughs> ever think this? this? Photo. Okay. Okay. So just do it tonight. Go through your Instagram. I'm just pushing you to digital Babylon. Go and just look through and just be like the person on the beach to like the person eating their bagel to whatever it is. And you're like, you start to think. We have this picture in our feed now, but how the heck did it get there, okay? So that's one of them. But the other group we often want to, uh, Kevin and I always joke about, is you know like the one, and I promise my motives are pure, but you know like the one-minute video clips of the preacher guy just talking? And Kevin and I often often say, uh, Kevin and I often say together, together to each other, sorry, um, it'd be interesting to start an Instagram, um, not just about who's taking this photo, but w- when we hear some of the things in these one minute clips, an Instagram dedicated to what, do, what does this even mean? So I'm, <laughs> right, you hear, Kev, are you with yeah. me? We no, see this stuff yeah, yeah. and you're like, what? Like the one minute guy, you know, he's running around, you're like, cool, but like, what does just that even mean? Just because you're yelling doesn't just mean because it, make, you're it, yelling. make it any more, more sense, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was a long thing to say. I hear this all the time, and it's okay. It's cool because I kind of get it. But I hear people declare that I am the church. I am the church. And I am not going to stand here or sit here. I guess I'm sitting here and argue that the church is not our identity. But I often wonder when I hear people say, I am the church, what does that even mean? You ever think about this? Ever think about this? Because here's the thing. What it means? Yeah, well, I just, you know, it's interesting because if I were to say to you, translate it into 2020, which is like the mother of all years, here we are. If I said to you, I am the gathering, kind of interesting. I I get that the church is our identity, but do you think it's a little far-reaching to say that I am on my own? You know, sometimes I hear this from people and it's like, 
it's typically people that want to make a statement that I don't need other people. I am the church. Do you think there's a danger in that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I never really thought about it that way. I think... Um, and the by the way, way just, always... just to say, to let people know, we don't even really prep or talk. We have no plan beforehand, everybody. We just <laughs> yeah. have committed to talking to each other. So that's, that's why you haven't heard this. Continue, sir. Yes. <laughs> No, the way I've uh, usually inter- uh, interpreted the, uh, I guess that saying is that um, it's not about necessarily the individual, but it's meant to, I guess, uh, say that uh, you as the individual form the church along with other individuals. That's the way I've interpreted it, but I can see as well how dangerous it can be uh, because as I guess this chapter talks about talks about uh, the I guess spirit of uh, individualism, um, yeah, or, or just the, the the individualism that exists today. So that can certainly be interpreted that way as well. I can see that for sure. I'm pushing here a bit. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> I I think it's just in the context. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like it's the people who sometimes they're saying it as a way to defend the fact that they don't want to attend a church or they have attended a church, but they're unhappy with it. So they're like, I don't need the church. I am the church. You know, I will find teaching. Um, my relationship with God is personal. Um, so it's, it's kind of a way to, I think it sometimes it comes across as defensive, but I mean, it depends how people are saying it. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's gone through my mind a little bit and maybe it's because I've the experiences I have had is most of the people that I know that say I am the church aren't people that regularly like are actually a part of it. And may, that that could just be my experience, but I often find this kind of being a cliche to promote something that I always think it, how it comes across if I were to say guys, I am the gathering. Oh, you are, eh? So you are. Yes, yes, I am the gathering. Well, we, I, I just, yeah, just been wrestling through this whole idea. Any thoughts, Kendra? I would agree with that. I think that if I have friends who, I actually don't have a lot of friends who are Christians who don't go to church. Maybe I can think of two. And they would both, they have both given me that, uh, that explanation. Hmm. I am the church. I have Christian friends. I'm around Christian teaching. And so that's like the whole of it. So they don't feel like they need the body for like a regular a regular meeting yep. i guess yeah what yeah. i find interesting about that um i guess i've never really heard it per se or at least not you know again i come from a like i come from an evangelical background i kind of grew up in the church and things like that so i've never actually heard anywhere in the bible or anywhere in my experiences people referring to i am the church like this is a very new thing for me to kind of hear Mm-hmm. Um, I've always heard it as being as we are the church, as in the body of Christ, we as people, we are the church. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hesitant to, to figure out where, like how biblical that statement is of I am the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know I am part of the body of Christ. I am part of the church of God, you know, the global church of God. Um, but I've never heard of like, I am the church. So, anyway, well, I find that interesting. Yeah, in the defense of, uh, I guess, the term, um, Christianity used to be this thing where 
um, not Christianity necessarily, or salvation, or uh, I guess belief in God. It used to be this thing where you had to go and and um, make a personal, I don't know, sacrifice at the altar and things like that, or you had to go through a priest. Well, mm. when Jesus came, that changed because um, there's several references to us, you know, our bodies being the temple of God. Um, and, and in some ways, that's individual. Uh, and Christianity is an individual walk as well. So I, in, in that defense, I can, I can sort of see why you can make the case for that. Uh, but at the same time, it is, it is, it can be construed as as very uh, self motivated, uh, as opposed to um, you know the church being this thing that we know is community based or group based. For sure. Yeah, I just think. I feel like. Go, go, yeah, go, Kendra. No, go for it. I feel like it has something to do with action. Like if if they sort of think that, like I, I'm just sort of theoretically part of the theoretical body of Christ, the universal church, then there isn't a personal responsibility mm-hmm. to the church or to, you know, any community that might see you face to face. It's it's just kind of in theory. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's the the interesting thing about this discussion is um, we all come from different perspectives of where we've heard this. And uh, yeah, I guess it's interesting being uh, a, a pastor dude in a city for a long time, a city that I love, a city that I went to high school and like junior high school in. And um, just hearing that, um, it, it'll mean different things for different people in the sense of, of where they're coming from. I would just hope a couple things. One would be um, instead of that that little thing under somebody at home, I don't know, you know, with their brunch mosa or the soccer mom on the sideline saying, I am the church. I hope that that statement could be declared from an actual flesh and blood community of people together. And, um, you know, it's interesting. The second part to that would be I, I, um, I've run into people over the years, people that I know in the city that are Jesus followers whom I love. And they'll say, uh, I'll say, hey, you know, what community you're part of? How's it going? And they'll say, ooh, oh, oh I'm, I'm actually part of a home church. And if anybody is like right on about the home church movement, you're looking at them. I love that. I actually, Heather and I feel like what we do here Wednesdays, pre-COVID obviously, um, is like a home church. A meal, the Lord's Supper, we really view it as the Lord's Supper. We're, we dig that. But it's interesting, the next question I often ask people is, so like, when do you meet? And I remember there's like a string of a year where I met a few people that were like, oh, well, we haven't really actually, you know, you know, the fumbling. Oh, we haven't really actually set a time to meet yet. And I feel like it just kind of, again, perpetuates this idea. I am the church. I often think, you know, ecclesia or ecclesia, depending on how you want to say it in English, was this word for church. It was just gathering. And I often think what what it would come across like to for us individually to say, I am the gathering. Maybe we mystify the church in the language piece a little bit. And again, I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but that's just gone through my head a little bit to maybe to get us to where I am. I'm not jaded by any means. I, and I am not arguing at all as well that, the, we, that our identity isn't the church because it is. I almost prefer the language of I am a Jesus follower or the language of the New Testament, which is around I am the temple, I am the body, What's the third metaphor there? I'm the family of God. Um, you know, I have this new identity in Jesus. And then when I'm with other people, then I'm the church. Anyways, I could be, 
this could be a little spice. Maybe I've just been out in the heat too much playing ball hockey after dinner tonight and Heather was working. So I had to like rush to get four kids kind of off to bed. And this could be like my, you know, just (laughs) angsty moment, but you know, it's something I've thought about. Any thoughts with that? Any other thoughts? Yeah, no, I feel it. Like, I mean, I think, I think Christianity just needs to be shared. Like, I think it's, Mm. it's definitely a, a community based thing. I mean, I just think we need we need other Christians. Like, I mean, Nicole stated like about with like the body of Christ and things. Like, just Paul talks about you know different body parts working together, that type of idea. Not just like one body part; every part works together to fulfill and continue to move. And about like iron sharpening iron and stuff. You know, like when I have questions or I'm wrestling through something, I can't just ask myself the questions. I need someone else to struggle with and to work through with right yep. and that's something you can't do individual that's something you do with other people that are passionate and yep. i just think if you're passionate enough about something you also want to be with other people that are passionate right i mean no offense but who wants to go to a sports game with somebody that doesn't like sports it's mm. not as fun as going with people that you know are passionate about it right and you want to you know as much as i enjoy sitting down and watching a baseball game by myself it's so much more fun when you're with other people giving your knowledge speaking about it um so i just think it's something that needs to be shared amongst people and i don't think you definitely i, I don't i think you're missing something um when you when you just try to be individual about it so good, Kev. You know what my favorite is? My favorite is taking people to sporting events that aren't into it and immersing them into it to the point where their life has changed. And I think there's a, that's actually a metaphor. You think that's that you think I'm joking. I'm not. So Heather with Michigan football, all she needed to do was step into that place, and she's like, I don't even like football, but this is amazing. And then I think life has changed is like a lot, but. <laughs> And then she went, to a Leaf, she went to a Leafs game, sat right up, like right close with a friend from the States and came back and was like, okay, I'm in, like I am in on this every year. So great, great analogy, great analogy. Anyways, I don't want to come across as though I'm like angsty, but I just think, uh, yeah, I'm just, what does that even mean, Kev? What does it even mean? I think it's important for some of these terms, some of these ideas for us to think through. Now, in this chapter, we got some statistics of the four different groups, kind of the introduction, laying the foundation, super good. What is in our books actually is not the Canadian stats. So Barna actually, for some church leaders, gave extra stuff so that they could apply it to their context if they lived outside of America. 22% of Canadians are prodigals. So these are 18 to 29-year-olds that grew up in the church. 22% of them that were pulled out of this was a thousand people were prodigals nomads no surprise is like the highest it's almost 50 percent at 47 percent habitual churchgoers it seems to be going down a little bit it's 22 percent in canada so these are people that kind of go to church but when they're pulled and surveyed on like their life in the way of jesus there's a disconnect they would respond differently yeah they go to church you know uh, maybe it's parent guilt or whatever even though again that seems to be uh, kind of dying as well um, there's that habitual church going and then uh, resilient disciples is nine percent now we got a little real like in the teaching just talking about a, a few things that are interesting one is engagement would love to hear your thoughts. So the the common thing I'm getting right now in COVID is pastors are somewhat either sad or frustrated about engagement now that the church has gone online. If you know me, which you all do, 
I haven't been a huge fan of like kind of the online church deal over the years since the internet has become bigger and it's become more accessible. I believe that church is flesh and blood bodies together. As we've been talking, um, I always say you can't take the Eucharist or come to the table through a floppy drive. It's kind of hard. Um, if the table, that was what's funny. That? Right? I should what go on. That? What's a floppy, floppy drive. drive? Yeah, what's a floppy drive? <laughs> I know. Um, what could be the the modern day equivalent? A floppy drive for those of you that um, are I don't know how old and younger wow. was this big disc. I know what a floppy drive it. is. No, no. <laughs> so, if, if Catherine knows, then then uh, then you all got it. You all got it because uh, yeah. How again? Twenty nine, Kathy. Kathy? Is that your name? Yeah. So, um, so I've been a I've been you know I haven't been super vocal about that, but I really you guys know this. I believe in the. The, the, the gathered church. So there's part of me that gets it. There's part of me that totally gets why there's a lack of engagement. I'm not this pastor guy saying, you need to engage with us by any means. The other side though, in the teaching we talked is like, in this moment where we're forced into this moment and kind of the lack of engagement, what do you think it says? What do you think it says? So like, let's be honest, 12, 15 hours a week on our digital um, streaming, not digital devices, our digital streaming services probably, we're probably all watch. it's only two hours a day. I would say in this moment, that number's probably low. And then yet people are having a hard time engaging with their church community for like 40 or 45 minutes a week. Does that, do you think that says something about the state of where we are? Again, with a guy who completely, completely gets that church is not something you hit play on. But I also look at the other side and go, it's 45 minutes. We're trying our best in this moment. What do you think? That was a good question setup. I don't care. That came across really good. We should just like pray and go home on that one. That one was really good. What do you think? Wow. I think, um, I just, you know, in thinking about it, like when you're not like when you don't have to be, and I, I know this is again, habitual maybe of me as well. If I don't have to be somewhere, hmm. I procrastinate, mm-hmm. I put it off. You know, there's this sense of there's no commitment for it. So, mm-hmm. well, I can get this done in the meantime, and then I'll do that later. Or, you know, I can do this in the meantime. Oh, it's a recording. I can access it anytime I want to. Like, I have lists and lists of, like, books I want to read. Yep. And I, I don't know when the last time was I went back to those lists to even look and see and kind of look it up again to go back and find that book. Because I know it's going to be there. I have that list. It's kind of there. So I feel like there's this sense of like, you know, when you have church on a Sunday, when you get up, you know, as a family, you get prepared, you get into your car, you kind of go. There's this ritual of commitment that you have because you got to be somewhere. And there's this sense of like commitment to being there. Mm-hmm. I find that because we're sort of in this digital age now and with church being not just accessible on a Sunday morning live, but also available as a recording, you know, there's this thing like, oh, you know what? We'll wait. We'll do it a little bit later in the afternoon. Or yep. And I know, I mean, you know, like, I guess maybe you're a little bit of, you know, for us as well, like as a family, sometimes we, you know, we'll do that and like do it later on or, you know, two more days, we'll do it. You know, we'll sit together as a family and watch it. Um, but there's this sense of like lack of commitment, be there physically at something that I think then yep. allows us to make excuses to not be there and to not participate and partake so Mm -hmm. yeah and again just a preface there's in in thinking through this absolutely no judgment because i get that side of it too uh with it being accessible at at any moment um 
Yeah, I think there's I think there's really real things in it amongst that for sure, hundred percent. And again, this is again not coming from somebody that wants to pad stats or like, but it's just interesting. I think the one of the conversations and just talking to people is the balance kind of of that in our moment when we are pushed to something so unique and and something we've never experienced before. What do you guys think? Any any other thoughts with that? Um. Shout out to the Monday night practice community group. Yeah. We were talking about it. Um, and I mean, I guess this doesn't really answer the question. And I don't know if this makes us habitual churchgoers, but the fact that we miss that routine, like that is our Sunday morning. And it's so weird not to have that. And even if you try to still watch it on a Sunday morning, it's still not the same. Mm-hmm. And it kind of anchors your week. Like yep. even when you push it, you feel like, okay, hey, but but I didn't go to church this week. Like I didn't have that. Or when am I going to fit church in? Because it, you didn't have to think about that before. It was like church was on a Sunday morning and that's, that's that. Um, so just the fact that we're missing that, I think speaks a lot to, to us needing community, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just the content you intake. 100%. Like it's more than that. Or else we would, like I listen to more podcasts and I feel like, churches now because everything's online you can like pick and choose what you mm-hmm. want like you shop around right like i like this message i like this worship service mm-hmm. um it's yeah. overwhelming like there's a lot of it and i think the book talks about that too right like digital babylon is exciting but it's there's a lot for sure and i think yeah the key of 100% and the key thing too in all of that it is true that um, church isn't, and we. This is why we're our, our church name is Praxis, is because it's not just a download of information. I think actually one of the things that COVID is maybe doing is it will expose that over time. That again, the church is. That's why I'm not. I kind of am living in the middle of the tension of people kind of being disappointed because they maybe feel there's a lack of engagement from their people. Because I think there's actually part of it that's kind of good in the sense of exactly what you're saying, Kathy. Um, church is more than just like hitting play on something it's more again than just like a little bit of download of information in our, our minds Th- though it's nothing less than that it's a whole lot more and then and then the other side is is just kind of the commitment side of doing something in a unique season that isn't always you know uh it's unique it's not always comfortable it's not always uh you know what we've experienced before for sure i do yeah. think yeah go kev go go sorry yeah so i mean i, I kind of feel like it, you definitely have to be a lot more intentional when you're doing it at home like mm-hmm. it's you're not you know just to kind of out on everyone else you're not going to a place you know you're you're like okay well i have to get up at this time i need to be doing this i need to do this because you're right i mean we're procrastinators we'll definitely mm-hmm. put it off to something else yeah. and I don't like I don't know like just you know I haven't fully thought ever it all through but just do I mean do we think it says something about our motives or reasons for why we even go to church like the actual physical place if if we're not able to do it ourselves at home is there is there maybe a reason that does that shed some light on you know maybe motives for why people actually go to the physical or the necessity for the physical building and the community right like, I, I feel like that's exactly what it does. It shows us why it's needed, why God, maybe that's why Jesus said together and pulse it together, right? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's the exact yeah. intention behind it. Well, not only that, here, so here's another, what does that even mean? This one could go in our Instagram <laughs> feed too, is church isn't the building. Well, and it's just like when people say, I am the church, I affirm that I get what you're saying. So uh, I am the church. It's my identity. Church isn't the building. We don't own a building. I, I get, so I get when people say that, but I also think 
when the there's a the the gathering happens in a building, and again, you're talking to a guy who is for all forms, streams, places, spaces, whether that's a home or a large setting complex that people have raised money for or rented facilities, which I believe is actually the best way. Um, um, do, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's always interesting to hear people say, well, church is in a building. Well, there's truth in that, but something can be missed to, you get what I'm saying? D- does that resonate? I don't know. Yeah, I miss it so much that <laughs> I did this really dumb thing a few weeks ago. No, a couple weekends ago. I was saying to my mom, actually, that I just, like, I really miss communion. Yeah. And I miss, like, partaking of it. I've been reading a book called Searching for Sunday. I don't know if you've read it by Rachel Held Evans. Yeah. And she describes church beautifully. Yeah. And I read it last year. She passed away last year, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, like, such a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the way she, what I love about her is that she deconstructed, but she landed somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she like did the work to push through and she landed at a place where she felt, she felt comfortable at the end. But anyway, that's aside. So she had this description of communion that I just found so moving and it made me miss communion so much that I told my mom and she was like, no problem. I got this. She went to the grocery store and got grape juice nice. and bread. And we did communion <laughs> with my, like this awkward, I was like, my boyfriend was there. I was like, okay, we're doing this with my parents and this is going to be awkward. That's awesome. <laughs> like it's going to be, like it's going to be spotty and like fragile and weird, but it made me cry awesome. at the same time. Yeah. Cause I was like, there's something about doing church with each other. Yeah. And so what I, what I can do by myself is to engage online. And I got to say, I heard your talk today, this afternoon. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> but. Oh, no um, judgment. No, no. We, I mean, it got. No, not at we all. We got a little spicy. But I just yeah. like, I need to be responsible for my own actions. Right. And I want to also think about like how I can do Sabbath on Sunday a little bit different. Like set the day in- intentionally mm-hmm. a little bit more. And that can look like a lot of things because it's. Like we're trying to do church together and also very independently. Yep. Yep. So like what what are what are we doing? <laughs> so good. I mean, if anything, honestly, I was preaching to myself because it is this odd thing, just to get let you know it's not live, all right? At practice, we don't have enough of uh, things to pull <laughs> what we do off live. So it's pre recorded. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm out now. Um some of you thinking, <laughs> Really? We we fooled you. No. Um but so, you know, you have that dynamic, even for myself, who's somebody who's involved with it. It is, you know, I'm learning in and through this too. The communion piece is interesting and awesome, even the story you shared, because uh, if you don't know and you're listening, our, our church community does communion. We come to the table every week. I've been compelled. We've been compelled over the last number of years that that is actually kind of the cl- the, the pinnacle of our time together is coming. Um, I, we always kind of say for very like, normal things, bread and juice, but that being the central thing in what Jesus reminds us, there's something powerful. I believe Jesus is present as we come to the table. People maybe have noticed we haven't, so I've noticed this in some of the online church stuff, and I'm like like you, Kathy, I listen a lot to different things and just trying to, you know, engage in different things. It's interesting, some churches that don't 
do communion very often or trying to pull it off online once in a while. And we haven't gone there. And I just haven't gone there quite yet, partly because it's just hard. It's in some of the dynamic of what we're talking about is hard. So I think it's pretty cool that, um, you know, your story there, Kendra, just come to that reality of just needing that because that is exactly, this is the, this is exactly some of the, why I've just proposed maybe some of these questions and, and wrestling through. And again, absolutely no judgment again to with the engagement side. It's just interesting to hear people as we navigate this on March 15th, when it was like everybody was scrambling and honestly, the quality was really bad. Everybody was tuning in. I don't know. I don't know if I told you guys, I had people all over the place in my life outside of the church. Well, we were watching because, you know, we knew like, oh my goodness, in two days you had to scramble. But as with anything, anytime something becomes more accessible to us, the less engagement there's going to be. It's always interesting. The more we have something, the the easier it is to um, to do that. Didn't they say something about that in the chapter this week that I really liked was that um, we can ask people to do more than we are. Yeah. In mm-hmm. like often, yep. and I think that's so true that people, when they're engaged, like want to be held to a standard and to mm-hmm. a goal. Like we respond yes. well often with goals. Not in every season, of course, and not every person all the time, but like we can ask each other for more than we are for sure often so good yeah. so i think good. in economics uh <laughs> what you just described there drew is is called the law of diminishing marginal utility uh, yep. so <laughs> essentially yeah it's, it's a psychological thing um that economists have um have have come up with have studied uh human psychology the more you consume something um, let's say out of 10 times, if you consume something, you know, the, the more you consume it, the less satisfaction you get out of it. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately that, that's the reality of things. Um, I've, uh, <coughs> to be honest, like to, to full transparency, I've actually enjoyed, uh, waking up and not having to go anywhere <laughs> on a Sunday. Right. So I get it. Um, yeah. you know, just because, uh, life is busy, uh, otherwise, um, but you know, like Nicole said, we, we do try to, um, get on Saturday morning, uh, sorry, Sunday morning, sit down and, and watch it. Uh, lately we, we have been pushing it back a little bit, but, but it is nice to, to, to have that. And I, I kind of understand where people are if, if they get, um, maybe disengaged in that way. But, um, I, I think people too have in- good intentions. They want to get to it and maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they let it get away from them and um you know there's also that old saying out of sight out of mind unfortunately that's also a reality that that we're dealing we're dealing with here so yeah i think the thing through all of this is if we were fooled to think that church is simply again information the beauty of this is it's not and that's, that's, that's actually, I think, something we can learn. And that, I guess maybe that leads into something else we talked about. It's just COVID. And I, I know even that last question was kind of dialed into the COVID situation. It's interesting. Again, uh, in Canada, 22% prodigals and 18 to 29-year-olds that they polled, 47 nomads. So these people that believe but don't belong. It's a growing, um, I think we call them the duns in Canada. Uh, habitual church course, 22%. Resilient disciples, 9%. With all that we're seeing, 
And now this is into months. And we don't know, especially for people who, churches that are in rented facilities like ours, where even Goodwill, where we meet, runs pretty close to the government and probably will be one of the last things that has larger gatherings together. Do you think in and through this, what do you think about, uh, because of COVID, what do you think the future of the church is? Um, one of the things that was just, again, this is not gospel truth. This is just more of an assumption. The teaching was there's going to be less of a muddy middle. I I don't, that's probably not the best term, but you know, there's going to be less of a middle. And what I mean by that, there's going to probably be, it's interesting. You have all these stats that are very fresh in Canada. You have COVID. Now you have a bunch of folk, and this is no judgment at all, but you've tasted now brunch mosas and Netflix in the morning or a walk with the dog or coffee on the patio. And you've kind of been in those groups that are kind of in the middle. We're not fully engaged. And now you've had four or six months or whatever uh, to kind of do whatever you want. What do you think that says to the, do you think that says anything to the future of where we are? Throw it over to you. Uh, I think, I think we're still going to be in a space where, Gathering is going to be needed uh, still, although it's going to be different. I think people are going to embrace online gatherings, maybe online engagement more uh, so than before. But uh, I think it's still going to be um, necessary for um, us to be together. Uh, it's just a human thing um, yeah. to, you know, we, we need to see other people's body language and emotions. Um, mm you know, face to face, I I don't think that's going to go away. That need is still going to be there. Although it might be hard to get traction and to get people back in. But, um, you know, and in in terms of COVID, um, I think COVID is going to change a lot of things in terms of, uh, you you know, the safety measures that are put in place. Maybe there's going to be like limitations on how many people uh, get together and, and sing, you know, you've seen some horrifying pictures on TV about churches in the South with uh, people singing loud, <laughs> you know, <laughs> choirs like singing loud in the mi- middle of uh, a pandemic, you know, uh, a respiratory uh, a disease. And uh, that's, that's <laughs> petrifying. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be limitations. Things are going to be different. Um, but the need for people to gather is going to be the same, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, by the way, you're listening to the after show presented by Poster Poster and Blue Apron. <laughs> um, what do you guys, what do you think? COVID in the church and, and uh, you know, and just to, if you're listening to this for the first time, you don't know who we are. Like our church is fairly young. So we've been able, it's, it's an interesting moment, but we've also, I feel like, in younger churches, it's kind of been interesting moments from the beginning and just the changing tides amongst young people in the church. What do you guys think? Do you think COVID will have an impact just even with resilient disciples down the road? Like I, the the teaching, if you listen to it, it, I just am under the assertion that actually there's going to be good from this because when you get a group of people that are really serious together and want, especially our age, and I'm going to throw myself in there because I still feel like I'm young. I was snipping goals tonight in ball hockey like it was my job, okay? So I'm still young. Um, uh, This whole resilient disciple thing, I feel like something really good could come from this. What do you think? I think Kevin made a good point about that earlier too. Like it kind of shows who actually does want to engage. Um, And in the future, you know, that that can be proved a little bit more. And I think... Given a long-term situation, we'll probably revert back to old habits. 
But yeah. I would like to see a little bit of um, like neighborliness and how we are being the community in different ways and being creative about that and looking for new ways to connect with people. Um, and also just really valuing when you can connect with someone. Yeah. I hope that lasts. Like, I hope it lingers. Me too. Yeah. Can I build on what Kendra just said? I, oh, go ahead. Oh. Sorry. I just want to build on what Kendra just said. Like, um, that's, I think that's what I'm similarly hopeful for. Um, I think as well, like, you know, in reading this chapter that we kind of just did today, um, what was interesting for me was how they also described um, uh, the, re- the resilient churchgoers. Uh, yeah, the resilient churchgoers and, um, and specifically how, um, you know, those are the ones who have sort of like the deep relationships, um, you know, which is what kind of makes them the more resilient churchgoers. Um, and okay, again, the statistics part was so fun for me. It was kind of like really interesting (laughs) listening to that part, the numbers part, but where they talked about, and this was surprising, but in a way I would have expected it as well, that how they talked about how um, with the four different, um, you know, types of Christians or individual, uh, like people who um, like know Christ, um, how the, the older people accept Christ, the more resilient they are. Um, and yeah. the younger age at which they accept Christ, um, the sort of less resilient, they, they tend to be more the nomads, like on the, you know, on the, the lower spectrum. Which is again, having grown up in the church, is a very interesting concept. Yep. But f- so again, uh, kind of in taking those numbers and kind of applying it to to, to life here and and what's going on right now with COVID, the way I see it is, um, you know, COVID has really put us in really sort of difficult times right now. There's a lot of individuals who are going through like financial strain, um, also the social and mental health strain. Like we are under a lot of stress and strain that we kind of you know like that I think is. Uh, more so than regular life was perhaps um, to many people. And I think to a lot of Christians as well, you know, it's given us more opportunity to kind of think about, you think about all the political things going on. It's made us question our Christianity so much more too. And I'm kind of hopeful that you'll actually have more resilient Christians because of the hardships we're going through. Um, I think that the hardships we're going through now with COVID-19 will actually build resiliency so that you'll actually see the numbers of individuals who now start to become like, um, you know, deeper, seeking deeper relationships with Christ, seeking sort of like, because again, I, I find the hardships kind of draw you closer to Christ yep. because re- you, you tend to rely on him more. And honestly, that's again, one of my um, things, what, why I think the older you are, um, the more resilient you are, like, you know, why, you know, those who are resilient tend to accept Christ at an older age because they've been through hardships. They've been through life. They've questioned life. They've been through challenges in a way where they've kind of reached out to Christ, maybe, um, it, you know, in a, it kind of, in a more meaningful way. Um, and so therefore they've kind of built that resilience. So I, I don't know, I'm hopeful a little bit that the hardships we're going through right now with COVID-19 will bring more resilient people to church will bring us into sort of deeper relationships with Christ because we miss the, you know, we have the longing for community. You know, we have the loneliness. We're experiencing so much loneliness right now, um, you know, in our world. And, and, and I think that will draw us closer. So I don't know. I, I feel like it'll statistically move the numbers up in resiliency. Hopefully. Well, and that, that was my assumption too. That's my assumption is um, there'll be less of a middle. I think yes. you're probably product like if you're again, like I said, and this is not a judgment thing nor a prophecy by any means, but I think one thing it'll do is it will engage people to a level um, where I think after this, if you really 
um, really want in on this, especially again, if you're f- like 45 ish and under in Canada and you really want to be a part of a community, I think that really says something. I really do. I think it says something beautiful. And I think something beautiful will come with it. It's interesting, the response from the teaching, I got a number of people text, probably more than any teaching in the last number of uh, of months, weeks, years, whatever. Um, And just one person had said, you know, it doesn't seem very hopeful. Um, And they were just saying just purely because of the stats. And I, I said, it's interesting how the great awakenings that we've experienced have come out of cultural turmoil. If you if you go back and study some of the Great Awakenings, um, and right now we're experiencing a global pandemic. We're experiencing all thing, all sorts of things. Obviously, with the race movements and different things, and um, you know some of the things we're seeing, not just across North America but the world, and the racial injustice and people rising up, um, which is amazing just to see. Uh, a movement rising along with uncertainty and economic stuff and all sorts of things going on. We can't in some ways leave our homes. I'm obviously not, we can, but like, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's interesting in the shifting cultural things. I think something really good. I had said to this person, I actually, and I think in the teaching we tried to reiterate though, it kind of seems a little spicy and a little salty, maybe even to bring some of this stuff up. I think the hope, you know, the resilience plus hope. I know a lot of Christians, they got their head in the sand. They're hopeful, but there's no um, realism, right? Um, there's a lot of people that are real right now. There's a lot of realism, especially if you're Canadian and it's just kind of you're our age. There can be a lot of cynicism, right? Okay, so these are the numbers. This is where we're at, but there's no hope. I think those two things together. Kathy, you were going to say something. What were you going to say? Do you remember? <laughs> well, so I was going to be, pe- be a little pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, no, be pessimistic. <laughs> huh? No, no, no. No, no, you got it now. You brought it up. In our house, no. in our house, if you bring something up and then you stop, you still got to finish. We force you to finish. Okay. Well, I guess it's more of a question for you as a pastor. Yeah. Do you feel like there's going to be pressure for you to still offer content online? Because I think after this, it's going to be optional. It's going to be the people who really miss church are going to go and then the other people are going to be, well, I can catch it online. Yes. Because it's just going to be expected that there's always going to be more content available and they can skip out on the actual Right. So. Meeting. I think I alluded maybe last week. I feel like there'll be a little bit of an all-out assault at the beginning of going. <laughs> uh, did I say this last week where I feel like just let's like go party? quiet on everything for a little while because we've been so oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't necessarily feel that pressure. It's going to be, it's going to come down to, um, you know, offering a need I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. It's, you know, obviously there's always the tension of wanting to get the good news out. I believe in our community. I believe in our church and the, the, the practicing the way of Jesus emphasis. Um, there's some really beautiful things happening. Um, and there's also easy engagement, like you said, as a front door for people online. But then, you know, I read guys like Alan Crider who studied the first century church and they're like, the reason the first century church did so well is they made it hard for people. Have we ever thought through that in our moment? That's the one of the questions I just have for, I'm conflicted because one of the things I think through right now is he would argue that the church actually blew up in the Roman Empire because they lived underground, were so faithful and committed to each other, committed to orphans and widows, 
um, gave their life for the outside community, but their worship gatherings were for themselves, and it just exploded. And his idea is sometimes, I shouldn't put words in his mouth as a scholar, but he would, I think, kind of point, are we a little over-obsessed with evangelism, so much so that it's kind of clogged us up? I don't know if that's a good illustration, or gotten us, kind of gotten in the way. Uh, does that Does that make sense? Like, he would argue a little bit, like, if the church is the church, it's go- going to fill the earth. And uh, so that's a long, that's a long answer. Is it, is now the time that, or is it next week that we're going to talk about brand Jesus? I forget. It's not, uh, I think it's in two weeks. I think it's in two weeks, but it may be. Okay. I got thoughts. Okay. (laughs) This is a preview. Oh, nice. (laughs) So, so that's a good question actually. So, because the, the, the book talks about identity. Um, I think it's in the same chapter as brand Jesus. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll ask uh, I'll ask uh, a question. What do you guys think about um, the fact that the book talks about um, identity and how uh, we form our identity through Babylon or Babylon, which is social media, right? The social media helps to sort of form our branding and our identity and how we feel compelled as people to do that as well through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and, and that <clears throat> I, I think it kind of calls for us to kind of take a step back and, and really have our, our identity in 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 Christ in Jesus. Um, well, did you guys come across that? What did you think of of that? Well, I mean, if Jesus follower isn't on your Instagram, <laughs> I mean. Why are you even here? <laughs> or your church name? And your Twitter profile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that interesting, huh? Do you do that out of, you, good question, do you follow up question? Do you do that out of like your own volition or do you do that out of pressure, right? As a Christian, that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you can chime in because you had some questions about it, uh, like a reflection point while, <laughs> while we were kind of talking. Uh, yeah, we're reading, you can yeah, go ahead. We read the book. Read. So we read it together. We kind of read out loud awesome. and, and kind of do it together. So... <laughs> Our discussions kind of tend to go with it as we're reading it out loud with each other. Um, but I think it, it was it was kind of interesting because I was laughing. It was like a mic drop point for me when I was reading about this in the book um, because it, it, it challenged me. Um, I, I tend to, if you can call it this, pride myself in authenticity of kind of who I am and the identity, if I can call it this, the identity that I've sort of taken on, right? I mean, as Jesus follower, as mother, as wife, as, you know, worker and like in all my roles, like I, I, you know, my, my goal is obviously authenticity. So one of the big things I did, um, a couple of years ago was, um, I kind of got into what we call, um, uh, like in black, in black female circles, the natural hair movement. So I chopped off all my hair and I started growing my hair naturally. And the idea behind that was because, um, you know, it, it was me like kind of challenging my own identity um, as a black woman and who I am and, and kind of like a journey that I started going on. And the idea was I'm being more authentic with myself. Um, I'm, I'm really being me and not allowing the world to dictate to me who I'm supposed to be. However, I got all the information about becoming natural on YouTube. I was following a ton of people all over the world on YouTube all the time, watching all kinds of tutorials on how to do your hair, which products to use, you know, how to do this, how to do, what to do, what to do, your image, who you are, your identity. So 
reading the book and having it kind of say that how we use sort of digital media and digital Babylon to dictate to us who we are, I was like, oh my gosh, I so did that. Like, so I started questioning myself, oh my gosh, am I actually as authentic as I thought I was? Because actually I'm being dictated to about my own authenticity. And what is the reality? Who am I really? <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting conversation that we kind of had about that and ma- truly made me kind of question that, like how much of digital Babylon am I truly allowing to feed to me of who I am becoming? And, and I mean, I think that it relates well to even us as Christians, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, the things we consume, it's great to consume information. Information is so important, right? But uh, the question is as well, how much are we really shaped and how much of it is authentic? Yeah, and, and absolutely. And for us guys, it's about, uh, you know, it's different. For Nicole, maybe it's following the natural movement. For guys, it might be, okay, what sports team do you follow? You know, sure. uh, you know the music you listen to, uh, your look, things like that. And for ladies, it's, it's different. Um, so, yeah, it's it just interesting to be able to reflect on that. And how the writer also just brings us back to, no way actually our identity should be in Christ, should be rooted in Christ. Because uh, I'm not sure if it was this book, but somewhere else, maybe yesterday, I, I read and I thought about um, just uh, when the storm comes. Oh yeah, it was a different book. When the when the, oftentimes when we're not built on the identity of Christ, we can have crises that comes into our life our lives and then if we're not ready uh, then you know we can crumble we can have that's when we can have uh, I guess identity uh, crisis identity crisis 40 year old identity uh, crisis <laughs> yeah. so yeah just interesting uh, reflections yeah interesting uh, just the um, the thinking through of the influences the things that shape us and that's been the big thing too even in the first introduction even uh, I can't remember the exact numbers but even the things in digital Babylon that, you know, our time in comparison to community, all that kind of stuff in, in comparison to like digital Babylon, just the, the things, it, what you bring up, Nicole, is it just interesting in light of that, just what is shaping us, what's shaping our identity. And then you're right. Like when those storms, when those things come, when you, cause we, the reality is, and if you haven't had, you're listening and you haven't had this the identity moments, these things, these things happen in our lives, especially through trials and storms and things that come our way. Um, I think it's important to have that, that grounding. And I think that's one of the things too, the authors have seen in resilient disciples is there's these practices that are being, that are, are being, there's, there are these things that are being practiced in these people's lives that in which they've responded to say, yes, like this is, these are things that have helped me along the way to flourish and follow Jesus kind of in this, in this time. So good. So good. Any, any other thoughts with that? It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, not with that particularly, but um, in the intro of the book, there's a part that says uh, that living faithfully has never been easy. Mm. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, we tend to think that our time is the hardest. Like it is so yep. hard to be a Christian now, more than it was then, more than it was before. But then I think on Sunday you mentioned um, that it's almost harder to be a Christian in a post-Christian world. Mm. And that made me stop because I think like being in university, um, it seemed like you were 
less intelligent if you were still a Christian. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we grew up in that and we can accept that, but like still, you still believe that? Like mm -hmm. you should move past that by now. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, you're right. Like if we had, if we had never had that, there would be, it would just be like something new, like my religion or my spirituality, but it's not. It's like we've moved past that and you should, you should be better now. Like you should get over it. Yep. So. Yeah. I and, don't know. And that these, struck me from Sunday. And these are all things that influence the discussion, like the soft power, hard power. It's um, uh, obviously the hard, like I'm always very cautious because the hard power side of things, there has been, I think there's more people that have lost their lives for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom in the last hundred years than there was in all centuries since the beginning of the church combined. And so I'm always cautious um, to be careful not to overemphasize our moment to the point where obviously people that have lost their lives, that, that, that is massive. But I think it is true. I think, uh, you know, and for at least our context, what we need to do is draw this in our context. And what you say, Kathy, is so true. We're kind of beyond that. Charles Taylor, a great kind of sociologist at McGill University, uh, his tome called, what's it called? It's about exile. It's about yeah, just the moment we're in. A secular age, it's called. And uh, he just talks about how, you know, before the Enlightenment, it was impossible not to believe. And now things have shifted. And so that means for our moment, how do we live in that? How do we live faithfully in that? And this is what this is all about. Such a good discussion. Seriously, guys, I don't know if you felt this, but I feel like it's been good. What the plan is now is to kind of dive into these practices. So over the next bunch of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the five different practices just through surveys and data. Obviously, surveys and data isn't perfect, but what they do is they drill down on five particular things that resilient disciples, they see as patterns in resilient disciples' lives. And I've found each and every single one of these things really applicable. And I think our discussion is going to be super good over the next bunch of weeks as we talk about these things. I know for me, as like for me personally, as I talk about the things where I fail at this, but also know that they're important, I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes from it over the next a little while. That's good. How's the plant doing? Kendra, how's Phil doing? <laughs> Is he okay? He's probably grown. Yeah? yeah we like, need probably. to pull out the Sharpie there for sure. <laughs> well, everybody, anybody, any final words, anything uh, that needs to be declared before we uh, we we head into the to – the, uh, tomorrow is supposed to be like 40 degrees Celsius, Canada. 40 degrees Celsius with humid. Come on, somebody. I'll take it every day. I will sweat while I play ball hockey all day. In, com in comparison to the minus, minus 40 weather. Any any other thoughts? As my grade six teacher, Mr. Richmond, if you're listening, <laughs> would say uh, any any moans, groans, and complaints? Any moan? <laughs> no. anything, uh, anything to leave our wonderful has, listeners with? Has everyone watched Hamilton already? Not yet. Family night. Family night this week. Okay. Now, we've got to wind down here, but you guys were supposed to go to Hamilton, right? Yeah, we were. In yeah. Stratford. Oh. No, was, in no, Toronto. Because is it coming to Stratford? No, it's coming no. to Toronto. Coming to Toronto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Toronto, so yeah. so many broken. They canceled it. No. Money, so many broken dreams. So sad. It's well, okay. It's okay. We got to see the original cast. Beauty. Plus, we're okay. Wait. So if it comes to Toronto, it's not the original cast. No. Oh. <laughs> See, I, I'm not very schooled in these things. So there That'd you go. That'd be great. That'd be great. Oh, no, they're man. They're doing other stuff now, yeah. 
Cool. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. We hope this has been helpful. I know for me, it's helpful as somebody who's kind of talking about some of these things on the weekend. It's just helpful to hear feedback and wrestle through it. Certainly, I don't have it all together. And I think one of the things in our discipleship to Jesus, and as we look to kind of grow in this, this is super helpful for me. So I'm thankful for you guys. And I'm thankful for the journey ahead. If you want, you can subscribe to the Practice Podcast on any of your favorite podcast catchers. Is that what the cool kids say? Podcast catchers, podcast devices whatever uh, you can also um podcast wa- catchers maybe 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 i'm listening to the <laughs> wrong people before, <laughs> you just started something new i guess well you know trying to fly catcher trying to live countercultural. <laughs> it's all good you can also uh, watch us on youtube and facebook if you want to watch this and if you have any questions or anything please reach out to us at hello at my practice again this sunday we'll begin the journey through these principles talking about intimacy with god life with god Until then, friends, have an amazing week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Bye, guys.